Carolina is 3-0 all-time against Oklahoma, but this Sooners team is no joke. Who are they, and what is Carolina going to have to do to beat them? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. Welcome into this bonus episode of Locked on Tar Heels, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank in particular you everydayers for joining us to get your team every day. If you are brand new to the show or a return visitor, we're so glad that you're here. Let me encourage you to come join our Locked on Tar Heels Discord channel where we're talking Carolina stuff all day long, particularly tonight while there will be a game going on. The game thread is going to be hot. Make sure you are there for that. Coming up on this bonus episode, it's just a little crossover with John Williams, one of the co-hosts of Locked on Sooners. We want to get ready for what Oklahoma has as well as talk to them about what North Carolina is bringing to the table. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, let's get right into it. Me and John Williams from Locked On Sooners. What better way to get ready for the Jumpman Invitational then have an Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On College Basketball <laughs> with me, Locked On Sooners John Williams, to discuss a big-time top 15 matchup on the hardwood between Oklahoma and USC and Charlotte. Isaac, what's going on, man? You excited for this matchup? I'm very excited for it, John. It's funny, in real time, we're recording this as our women's basketball teams are playing uh, on uh, the, the Tuesday night games, and I'm just hoping that we don't have to come after a double overtime game like what happened tonight with uh, Michigan and Florida men going to double OT. Yeah, that would make for a really late night <laughs> tip-off already, especially for uh, for you East Coast folks. But uh, it, it's going to be a really, really good game. The UNC Tar Heels already off to a really good start in the season. Yeah, they've got three losses on the season, but you look at who it's to in Villanova, <laughs> in Kentucky, and a, a top five you know, another top five team as well. And I mean, they're a battle tested program, UConn. Thank you. They're a battle tested program in the non-conference. And this is really Oklahoma's toughest test to date. Yeah. It's, it's funny, John. I was actually looking at that earlier today where like at at Ken Palm, um, Carolina's non-conference strength, of schedule is 17 and Oklahoma's is 335. And so that's like the big dichotomy right now is, like Oklahoma has had these like strong, but not elite competition games. Like as we talk, Providence right now is beating Marquette. That's a team that Oklahoma beat this year, you know? And so we got some of those wins, but um, you know, meanwhile, North Carolina has played, I think it's like four top 50 Ken Palm teams at this point. And so I'm curious to see, because to my eye test, I think Oklahoma is legit. It's just that we haven't seen it you know, in an elite level battle like this is going to be. So I'm super stoked for it. Yeah, it really is coming down to that because you've got good wins over Providence, over USC, over Iowa. And and this is a team that's looked really, really good against really, really poor competition. You've know, got <laughs> several 30 point wins, a bunch of 20 point wins. 
but they haven't played anybody to the caliber of UNC. So what's been different for the Tar Heels this year? Because last year was kind of a really, really down year by <laughs> North Carolina standards, and that's probably putting it mildly. <laughs> but they're off to a much better start in year three of Hubert Davis. 100%. First, I got to say, I was thinking in my head as you were talking about beating USC, uh, I know that has to feel sweet. I know yeah. it's not football, but it's like, in some way, it's like, what up, Lincoln Riley? We're killing yeah. your basketball team. Uh, so, John, uh, that's a great question. A lot of last year's issues were North Carolina's preseason expectations that people set that I think were unrealistic, to be quite frank with you, because there was that run in the latter third of the season before that, and it was like North Carolina caught fire with that. Last year, four of those five starters were back, but the problem is as Oklahoma fans will know all too well, the guy that left after that was Brady Manick, who was a big part of that run in terms of like being a leader, holding people accountable and things of that nature. Last year's North Carolina team didn't have that type of player. And that was unfortunate that he was the piece that was gone. And so things started to fall apart. Um, there was Caleb Love, who's now at Arizona. That was a very inefficient shooter and player. When he was on, it's great. When he wasn't, not as much. Now, he and RJ Davis aren't sharing the backcourt. It's more RJ Davis's, whereas Elliot Cadeau is the other player in the backcourt, true freshman, where he is more of a true point guard instead of he, uh, Caleb Love and RJ Davis kind of fighting over who's the leader of the backcourt. And, and it matters. You know, yes, you can have multiple guards that can you know, fill up the basket and score, but you also have to have the guy that's just the true facilitator for your yeah. team. Yeah. And, and is and is willing to kind of play off and play quote unquote second fiddle to the score right. on your roster. Just you got to have complementary pieces to you. And 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 that's kind of what has has worked so well for Oklahoma this year, mm -hmm. is it's a group of guys that have really fit well together, a lot of transfer portal additions, but everybody's kind of willing to share the load and, and not demand the basketball in their hands, uh, you know, throughout the game. I mean, they've got you know, eight guys that are averaging seven or more points yes. per game, that's you know, right. three guys averaging more than double figures. And, and so I think that's going to be what makes for a really, really big time, you know, matchup between Oklahoma and UNC is just a, a plethora of talent that goes beyond just one or two names, you know, for, for UNC, who are kind of some of the names that, okay, past RJ Davis, past Cadeau that people need to be on the lookout for that, you know, Oklahoma fans aren't going to be familiar with necessarily. Sure. Armando Baycott is the preseason like ACC first team player, uh, a guy that is Carolina's all-time leading rebounder, Carolina's all-time leader in double-doubles, things of that nature. He's a fifth-year player, one of those guys that took advantage of that COVID eligibility. Um, and interestingly, he had Carolina's last game was against Kentucky, and he had a very subpar game by his standards, nine and six. And so Carolina fans are looking for a big rebound quite literally and figuratively from him. Um, and so that's a big name. The other two uh, starters, one is Harrison Ingram, who's a transfer from Stanford. He's a little bit of a point forward type. He'll be playing the small ball four, so he'll be the power forward. Um, and Carolina will utilize him because he's a thick guy. So they'll often utilize him. They'll clear it out for him and allow him to facilitate out of making his own post-up move. So that's something to be on the lookout for. And then the guy at small forward is Cormac Ryan, who's a transfer from Notre Dame. He's a 6'5 guy um, that has, has kind of struggled with his shot, um, chiefly because of an ankle injury he suffered in the Villanova game. 
But after Carolina had a long layoff right before that Kentucky game, and he had his breakout in that game, scored 20 points. And so those those are the other two starters that you're kind of looking for in that. And so I, I'm expecting big things out of Cormac Ryan, out of Harrison Ingram as well um, to, to look at that. And probably Cormac Ryan will be on OA. And so that, that'll be a critical matchup, I think, in this game. Yeah, and figuring out how Oklahoma is going to be able to attack UNC, what would have been some of the areas of quote unquote weakness, so to speak. Again, the three losses that they have, they're really quote unquote quality losses. Right. For sure. the Tar Heels. They're, they're not dropping games to teams that they might not should, but where have teams been able to find some success against them? It's funny, John, because typically North Carolina under Roy Williams uh, famously was a very strong rebounding team. One of the things that Carolina uh, hasn't done at the same level in the Hubert Davis era, this is year three, just like it's year three for Oklahoma under Porter Moser, um, is has not been that same level of rebounding team. So Kentucky out-rebounded the Tar Heels by 10 on Saturday, including I think it was 13 offensive rebounds, many of which were at critical moments. So that's something to keep an eye on. Carolina needs to get to the free throw line. They are making more free throws in total this season than their opponents are taking. And so that'll be a critical thing to watch in the games. Uh, and, and I say that to say, uh, I was kind of looking at some of the data, some of the math. And in the games where Carolina has attempted seven or more free throws than their opponent, they're seven and up. In the three games where they've attempted six or fewer free throws than their opponent, they are 0-3. So that's a critical thing to watch is the free throw line game between these two teams. We're going to get more from Isaac Shade of Locked on Tar Heels and Locked on College Basketball here coming up after the break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than 1 billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On College Basketball. I'm John Williams of Locked On Sooners, getting you ready for Jumpman Invitational Men's Edition Ooh. between OU and UNC. The Oklahoma Sooners have never beaten North Carolina. This looks like the team that might be able to pull it off. It, it's a it's an athletic team. It's a fast team. They try to maximize the game, having as many possessions as possible. The two teams are averaging about the same amount of points per game. I mean, they're both really efficient scoring offenses. For Oklahoma, so much about this game is can they get to the rim? Wow. Because they've not been a great three-pointing, three-point shooting team. They're really, really good inside the arc, but you know, getting to the basket is going to be their bread and butter. How is that going to be possible for the Sooners against the Tar Heels? That's going to be a big key to the game for Oklahoma. For UNC, what are they going to have to do? to try and combat Oklahoma's defense, which has been much improved because of improved athleticism, improved right. team speed. It's a really interesting question, John, because when you look at the offense and defense for both of these teams, it's like 
Oklahoma's biggest strength is on the defensive side where Carolina's biggest strength is offense. And then it's flip-flop the teams, both teams uh, weakness, which they're both like top 50 defensive or uh, efficiency, Oklahoma offense, Carolina defense um, at Ken Palm, but those numbers are both lower. And so I think it's going to be really interesting at because high level game when we're looking at the, the Oklahoma defense, Carolina offense, and then it's going to be, who, who can win on that other side where both teams aren't as efficient with Carolina's defense and Oklahoma's offense? So that's almost the more intriguing side of the court to me is will Carolina be able to stop things? You know, there's no real like critical rim protection threat that Carolina has. So if Oklahoma is able to get to the rim a lot, as you're talking about, John, that's that's going to be an issue for the Tar Heels um, where they are doing better when they're able to force a lot of threes and, and keep guys outside the arc. So that'll be an interesting uh, angle on this game for sure. Yeah, because Oklahoma will shoot threes. They're just not very good at it. Like Porter Mosier's offenses, they get open three-point looks. That's just the nature of the offense over the last three years. They just haven't had efficient three-point shooting. Correct. So the key for Oklahoma is going to be, okay, don't settle into those three-point attempts. If UNC's given them to you, you know, still attack the rim because that's where they've been the most effective. For the Tar Heels, like, what are they going to do to attack Oklahoma's defense? Because it, that's where they've been really, really good, especially Otega away. He's been fantastic at the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. Well, RJ Davis is the man that, that is the engine that kind of makes this thing go 26 or more points in five straight games, John. And um, so he is a, a undersized guard. Like think, uh, let me give you a big 12 name from last year. Think Marquis Noel, kind of an undersized guard, but just can kind of do what he wants, gets where he wants, um, and, and to be able to do that. And that's offset by Armando Baycott in the interior, who we talked about earlier. I think Elliot Cadeau being a pass-first point guard is going to really work um, to get the ball inside, often where it seems like Carolina has uh, at least a little bit of a front court advantage. Um, um, and so I, I think Carolina will attack there utilize that to then open up some of that three-point shooting. So that's kind of what I'm looking for to see Carolina doing offensively. How are they going to bounce back from, you know, two losses in a row? I mean, it's it's still tough games, tough matchups, top sure. 15 that's opponents right. that they faced. But what's the mentality of the team coming off of the two losses? That's a great question. That that UConn team, folks, if you have not watched UConn this year, you got to go check out one of their games. This, this is a team absolutely capable of defending their national championship from last year. And so that was a game where Carolina, they lost by 11, and I felt good about it because it's like, you know, like that's just how good UConn is. Um, and then with Kentucky, you do leave that game with a sour taste in your mouth because there were things that Carolina didn't do that they characteristically do that should have won them the game. And so I'm looking for a team that is very hungry. Um, Carolina fans know, Oklahoma fans might not know that on Sunday, Eric Montross, who is yeah. one of the uh, most known Carolina players of all time, the leading scorer on the 93 national championship team, passed away from cancer. And so that's, that's another um, kind of emotional part of this game is how does that factor in along with having lost the night before. And so on the Carolina side of things, I, I think that um, is a critical question is how do they bounce back? How do they respond from that? Because if you lose this game, if you're Carolina, 
that's three losses in a row. Although, as you said, John, to teams that are this week, all top 10 in the nation. And so I, I, th- I think that's a critical thing. Whereas from Oklahoma, you know, I've kind of been laughing about it a little bit. So for Carolina, obviously we're basketball first, football second. So anytime Carolina is good at football or seemingly good at football, it's like, is this real? And then you lose like four games down the stretch. And so I was kind of laughing with somebody earlier this week. It's like Oklahoma's probably in that opposite side of what we usually feel where it's like football first. And right now, Oklahoma fans are like, are we legit good right now? Is this happening? You know, and like until you get into games like this and then Big 12 play, which was a gauntlet as always, then you really start to figure out uh, how legitimately good Porter Moser's third team in Oklahoma is. We feel so close to being able to say that this is a a really, really good team. And and I think probably 99% of Oklahoma fans are there. This is a really good team. How are they going to respond to tests like North Carolina, which is going to simulate, you know, the the biggest competition that they've had to date, but also playing against a Kansas in, you know, Allen Fieldhouse, playing against Baylor, playing against Houston, Houston, you know, now. Yeah, a, exactly. a deep, deep, you know, um, roster of Big 12 teams. OK, North Carolina, that that's it's a big measuring stick game. You know, North Carolina is a blue blood in basketball. They're an elite program. It's it's like when Alabama comes to Norman next year in college football. It's like, fun. It's the same kind of thing. Oklahoma is going to Charlotte. Yes, this is, quote unquote, a neutral site game. It's a North Carolina game in North Carolina. There's going to be a big time crowd in a big time environment. How does Oklahoma respond to that? I mean, that. I think everybody's really curious yep. to watch. You know, everybody has reasonable expectations. Like, yes, North Carolina is a really, really good basketball team. Oklahoma, we feel like, is a really good basketball team. And how they respond to the atmosphere, to the test that North Carolina is, you know, to being 10 and 0 and now being a top eight program in both the coaches' poll and the AP poll, all of it is something that everybody's really excited to watch and, and find out. I think everybody expects this team to to be really good regardless of this result. But man, we're we're really intrigued, man. We're really intrigued about can can they go and pull off this upset? Cuz even though Oklahoma is the higher seed, I think everybody in Norman and probably in college basketball would assume this would be an upset if Oklahoma were to go into Charlotte and beat the Tar Heels. I think so. and John, you're you're so true with like, yeah, okay, this is a neutral site game. Well, one of these teams is traveling like 140 miles. The other team's traveling, I looked it up earlier, it's like a thousand ninety-one miles from Norman to Charlotte. So yeah. it's like, okay, neutral site, sure. Okay. Uh so we gotta factor that in somehow. John, what do you think it is this year? Because you know, Oklahoma the first two years under Porter Moser has been Okay, you know, right around 500. What is it that's been that leap this year that's really allowed things to take off? Well, I think it's a couple things. It's one of the things we talked about earlier. It's a kind of a, a team humility and dynamic that just allowing everybody to to succeed and letting everybody thrive. They're they're committed defensively. They want to be really really good defensively. And I think what they're realizing is because of that their athleticism and their team speed, they can get up and down the floor. That's right. They can attack the rim. They don't have to settle for jump shots, which was a bit of an issue. Yes, they had guys that could create their own shot and get to the lane, but they didn't seem to have enough guys that could do that. Mm-hmm. Now they've got guys, JV McCollum, 
Otega Owe, Miles Uzan, and then John Hughley is, is much like the the power forward you're talking about as well. A guy that can he can get the ball at the top of the key and he can create his own shot, get into the lane and get to the basket. So they've got a good group of transfers that they've added, uh, and then you've got you know a Dart Hard and a, a, just a number of dudes that are playing really, really good ball, but also wanting to play really, really good ball on both ends of the floor. And I think that's the key is this is just a, a more complete team. You know, you don't have a lot of defensive liabilities and you have guys that can create their own shot and aren't having to settle for threes, which was, I think was, which was the biggest issue is you couldn't get into the lane consistently enough in the first two years of Porter Mosier's time. And so you're having to settle for a lot of, three-point shots, a lot of them open that you weren't consistent enough to hit, and even some that weren't were contested shots and you just weren't good enough in that facet of the game. Now it, it seems like everything's just kind of come together to create a team that, okay, they can pass the ball, they can dribble, they can penetrate, and they can finish at the rim. Yeah. Much like you know the, the, the Austin Reeves year when they last went to the NCAA tournament, the, the thing that made that team so good is they could get to the basket yeah. led by Austin Reeves. <laughs> yes, th shooting three points, you know, shooting three pointers is key in college basketball. The teams that are able to hit them efficiently are really, really good. But if you're not efficient at it, don't don't shoot 23s, don't shoot 25 mm. threes, which oh. I think in the first two years of the Porter Mosier era was a big, big issue. All right. You have, you have another question no, here? Go ahead. Go ahead. Ready, to get, ready to get into kind of final thoughts for this game? Yes, John. Let's okay. do it. All right. So I think Oklahoma keeps this close, but I don't know if they're quite ready to pick up this kind of a win. And as soon as I say that, they're going to go in and they're going to upset North Carolina, <laughs> and I'm going to look like the idiot. But I really do think this is going to be one of those games that comes down to, you know, the final few possessions in the final two minutes. And it's like a five to seven point win for the Tar Heels. It's kind of where I'm looking at as far as a score goes. Well, I think it could be a high scoring game because Oklahoma wants to get up and down the floor. They want to maximize possessions. They don't want to you know drain the shot clock. Yep. And I and I kind of hope they keep that mentality yep. as opposed to going into what's going to be a hostile environment and then try to take the air out of the ball. No, just keep playing your game for better or for worse and see how it how it holds up against a really really good Tar Heels team. Yeah, and what's wild, John, is is that should hold true for both of these teams because North Carolina's uh, average possession length and adjusted tempo are even faster than Oklahoma's. And so I'm with you. I think it's going to be an up and down game. But for some reason, I, I keep feeling like this game is going to be a little lower scoring than I expect. And I don't know what it is, if it's just like like mother's intuition kind of thing. But uh, my, you said that five to seven point gap. My prediction on Locked on Tar Heels on, on our full Wednesday show was 75-70 Tar Heels. And so I like that's lower scoring than I feel like it will actually be. But uh, I got to go with it because I'm feeling it. It's that intuition. And uh, we'll see what happens. Should be an electric game. Same as you said earlier. I'm really curious about this game because I'm very, I think both of these teams are legit and I'm excited to see what could be a kind of March madness atmosphere take place tonight. Yeah, it's great. And we get it on a Wednesday night. So that's going to be fantastic. Going to have all eyes of college basketball on it. That's right. Go follow Isaac on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Go check him out on the Locked on Tar Heels and Locked on College Basketball podcast with Andy Patton as well. Follow me at John Nine Williams and the show is at Locked on Sooners. Subscribe to both shows, all three shows, really, wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. So hit the subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But for Isaac Shade, I'm John Williams. 
talk to you next time. Enjoy the Wednesday March Madness preview. Have a great week. Big thanks to John Williams for joining me for this crossover. It's great to be together and chat with him. He's a great dude. The fellows at Locked On Sooners do a really good job. If you want to hear more to get ready for this game, make sure to go listen to that and all the Lincoln Riley pettiness. It's awesome, and I'm here for it. Uh, If you would, again, come join our Discord channel. Uh, It's a great way to get involved in the Locked On Tar Heels community. You can also email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out today's full episode. Uh, You can click on the links that we had earlier in the episode for that. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Smash the like button if you're watching. would love to hear your comments on the Sooners. And if you would, go rate and review the show as well. It helps out so much. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to talk tomorrow about hopefully a Tar Heels victory. But until then, peace.